So if you guys don't know who I am, I'm Victoria. <laughs> Been in Kyle all four years. Most of y'all have signed your name tags multiple times, so you should know me. Um, anyway, so my final thoughts um, I actually came up with today. I didn't really know exactly what I was going to say, but I kind of just sat down at my computer at work and was like, Lord, lead me. Um, and I kind of just started scribbling down a bunch of ideas. And um, not until after I was kind of done with the entire draft that I realized it was so relevant to me. Um, and so, um, pardon me, but the beginning is going to sound a little... Uh, a little medical in a sense, but if y'all don't know me, I'm in the NHS and this is just how I think. So, <laughs> NHS. So I kind of wanted to talk about healing today um, and just kind of how this pa these past four years have been a, just a, a huge process of healing that God has done in my life. And um, so let's start. So with healing, I looked at the definition, you know, healing is a process of making, making or becoming well making or becoming healthy. And to reiterate, it is a process. So it's not something that happens overnight or instantly. It's something that happens over time. And also, the length and the effectiveness of which one heals or, which, or what an, an injury or a wound heals depends on the process that you take and the steps that you take to heal it. Um, and so that's kind of like the basis of what I'm going to be talking about tonight. Um, well, it's tonight for like the, for the next like few minutes, sorry. Um, um, also healing and, and also it's affected by the process was affected by the severity and the, and the, and the depth of that wound of the injury. And so that's something to also keep in mind as you consider, um, your walk and as you need healing or you're seeking healing from God. Um, and so I don't know about many of you guys, but when I came into Georgetown as a freshman four years ago, um, I came in with a lot of wounds, you know, and it's, you know, not the physical ones, but the deep emotional, spiritual wounds that I didn't really actually know I had until, you know, you know, until, until coming into college, really. Um, and those are things that I couldn't handle on my own, but I needed some help from the Lord. And I didn't even know that until I kind of entered into this, to this community of Chi Alpha. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, so, um, and, the whole, and then so I started to think about what, is, what does it take to heal a wound? And so if you think, you know, medically, you know, you need to clean it, you need to cleanse it, you need to sanitize it, you know? And so when you're thinking about your own personal wounds, the Lord needs to purify it. The Lord needs to purify you, needs to redeem you from it. But then once that happens, you know, once you clean it, you gotta protect it, you gotta banish it up, you gotta wrap it up, and you gotta keep it from being infected. So within your own heart and your own, your own spirit and your own mind, those wounds that were once purified also need to be protected. And that's what your relationship with God does. That's what, the, what your community in Christ does. It helps you protect, um, protect what God has restored. Okay? So, <laughs> um, so, just through, so, like, so again, those are things that the Lord wants to do in your life. He wants to protect you. He wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. Um, and... As we know, like, when wounds get infected, it prevents it from being healed. It prevents, you know, healing, the healing process to continue, and sometimes it just makes the damage worse. And so that's what, that's what you see in your life when you have all of these, these wounds and these, you know, you have broken hearts and, you know, emotional damage, and you're not seeking the Lord to help to heal it. You're not seeking the Lord to protect your heart. You then see it get infected by the things around you, by the world, by your circumstances, 
and then you fall further and deeper into, into these issues where sometimes it's hard to come out of and sometimes um, it becomes, it, it seems so permanent in your life and that there's no other thing in the world besides the Lord that can take you out of it, that can heal you from it. Um, so, moving forward, sorry, I have a lot of notes, I had a lot of thoughts. Um, and so, um, also, when I was thinking, okay, so those are kind of these general ideas of what you need to heal a wound, but each wound is different. So each process and each step has specific needs and concerns that you have to consider. And it's because not every wound is the same. But when we think about the Lord, all of our problems are different. All of our experiences are different, but his healing and his power is the same for all of us. And so let's just keep that in mind when you have all of these issues that the Lord is one, is one God with one supreme power that can heal you from whatever individual issue that you're facing. Um, and so... Um, so thinking about that, there are two categories of, of wounds. And so medically, and I think this can apply spiritually, there are the ones that are open, you know, the ones that are obvious, the ones that are clear and easy, easy to detect, okay? So those are, these are these wounds that other people can see in you. Let's say that you lost a friend, a family member, a teammate, anyone. Other people know that you have loss and that you're mourning. Divorce in your family, in your own life breakups, failed relationships. People know these things about uh, that are happening to you and that are around you. But then these are other, there are other wounds that are close, they're internal, people cannot see. They go deeper and deeper that no one else knows about. And these are some of the wounds that I came into college with. Um, and these are, these are wounds that you probably can associate with loneliness, depression, anxiety, self-esteem, body image issues, suicidal ideations, things like that. Things that when you walk day-to-day to class, you talk to your friends, they're not really seeing because you're putting a smile on your face, but they're internal and they're deep and they're hurting and they're doing damage. We can reflect that to what we know about internal bleeding injuries. So let's say a traumatic event happens to your body, but there's no outside damage, but you're bleeding internally. We know that with bleeding internally, it could have happened hours or days ago. But then the symptoms don't really show until, you know, hours or days later. And by that time, the damage is so deep and so severe that sometimes it's too late. And I think that's what's something we need to be aware of and steer away from. That we don't want to get so deep into our own internal issues and wounds and injuries and not seek help. Because that can do so much more damage that sometimes it's hard to get yourself out. It's hard to, it's hard to save. And you see some people get lost in that. And I, um, I just wanted to like, um, just, this is more just like a, an encouragement to seek the Lord and seek guidance from who, the people you see around you, people who are dedicated and to, to faith and want to study and want to, uh, want to study the Lord more and um, people that you can trust and open up to. And I feel like, also understanding that God wants to heal you. God doesn't want you to suffer. God doesn't want you to have all of these, um, all the pain. You know, wounds and injuries are painful. They're not, they're not enjoyable. God doesn't want you to have pain, you know. So thinking about that, I was thinking about the scriptures. Um, 
Isaiah 41.10, where it says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, um, for I am God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will hold you with my righteous hand. Think about the scriptures, Matthew 11.28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who's going to heal your wounds. This is God that wants to protect, cleanse, and purify you. Redeem and restore you from all the things that you've been through. Um, and then, so like I said in the beginning, that healing is a process. So once you start understanding that God wants to heal you, you have to go through this process that's going to take a while to get that healing in your life. And so that involves you meditating on his word. And so you think of Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, where he says, turn your ear to my words, for they are the life for, for those who find them and health for, one's, for health for one's whole body. So meditate on him. Meditate in prayer and in, and in worship and in on his word and know that his words are the ones that are going to heal you, not the words of other people or even, even your own thoughts can be quite, quite damaging to yourself. But also know that he wants us to be in community and that community finds, finds peace and, 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 and wholeness um, to us. Um, and that, he also reflects that in James 5.16 where he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's something so powerful about being vulnerable with other people. Um, and that, that's something I didn't really learn until, until I joined Chi Alpha. Um, I remember freshman year, we went to Atlanta for spring break. Kim knows I was with her, um, as well as a couple of other people that are not here right now because they graduated. Um, but that was the first time I ever experienced communal vulnerability. Um, and I don't like vulnerability. <laughs> if you know me, it's, emotions aren't something I do at all. Um, so <laughs> um, part of my struggle. So um, that was kind of the first time that I was telling my story of the hurt and the pain that I may have experienced and I have always kept down deep, deep inside, causing all these issues. That was the first time that, that other people saw me cry. And that's pretty serious to say that like 19 years old is the first time that your friends see you cry ever. So um, it was, so it was just kind of this weird, learn, that was like the initiation of my healing process. Um, and just know, understanding that there are some things you got to deal with, and I can't do it on my own. So I got to seek the Lord, but I also need community. And that's what I think Kyle has brought for me is just a community to help me heal. You know, and it's not just within this open table setting, it's not just within your life groups, but Kyle builds these relationships. I have lifelong friends here, I have lifelong mentors here. And the healing process sometimes occurs outside of this context of what's sponsored by Chi Alpha. You know, it occurs in the bedroom when you're having a conversation with your roommate. It occurs when you're at lunch. <laughs> yeah, Jasmine. So that happens like daily for us. Um, it occurs when like, it occurs at Leo's when you're just having a dinner. It occurs on a one-on-one. -on -one. But Chi Alpha was the sponsor for it because that's where your, the relationship grew and that's where you initiated that relationship and that's what I'm so grateful 
for chi alpha 4. Um, anyway, so moving on. Um, and so I just, oh, and so through the healing process, I've learned that the Lord is preparing you for what is to come. And so you ha just keep your eyes open through it all. Because the Lord is taking you through what has happened in your life. And he's showing you the things that went wrong, but he's also giving you literally a guide of how to get through it later. Um, and additionally, your, your struggle, your story is, is a testimony. And so whatever wounds that you have, they become, you, um, and whatever things you've experienced, you become this living and walking testimony for the Lord and what he does and for his greatness and for all the things that he's ever done in your life. And so I, I urge you guys not to cower away from being that witness and that testimony, you know, not to cower away from your story. You know, when wounds heal, they leave scars. And it's not something that you should be ashamed of or something that you should hide. It's something that you should understand, reflect upon, and then minister to others through them. Um, so, like, so if you think about scars, scars are a natural part of the healing process. It, it is what occurs once healing has already taken place. And so I just urge you guys to embrace those scars because they are the tracks and the maps of your life. But in doing so, embrace the Lord for he is the, he is the guide for you to get through everything that happens in your future. So. Um, that's all I have. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, again, um, I feel like Kaiofa has been, like I said, this initiation, this, this safe space that helped me get through a lot of things and have more wounds occurred, and yes, they have, but because of my time here and the experiences that I've had during these past four years, the friendships that I've built, the mentorships that I have, um, I feel like I'm so much better for it. I'm so much aware of how I can get through them through Christ and through community. Okay, so, um, oh, Lord, okay. I'm in the similar boat as Victoria. Uh, I kind of wrote this, like, maybe, like, a couple hours ago. So, you know, but it's here, so. Um, okay, so my experience with Chi Alpha has revolved around three main things. So, Tons of listening, tons of understanding, and food. So I'll start with the food, because food's always the best part, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so the first time I ever came to Kyle it was um, a similar night to this. We had Domino's. Well, they had Domino's. I wasn't a part of Kyle yet, and I, like, so I was like, oh my god, they have pizza in there. You know, I'm a freshman, so I'm scoping out the free food. And so I walk in there with my my like acquaintance slash friend at the time, who is now my roommate, Sydney. Um, and it was a, like, I, we came late and we were singing and everything and it was great. Um, and that was like my first experience with Kai Alpha, but um, the food was great, of course, but just like being in that atmosphere of like singing and praising the Lord, I was like, okay, well, this reminds me of like my church back home, I think I wanna stay, you know? Um, so the second experience with food was definitely um, when I was in the life group with Bonnie. Bonnie, hey, this was, some of y'all are a little young, but this is back when Bonnie was a senior at Georgetown and I was a freshman. So like, um, 
Yeah. And it's funny because I, I, for the longest time, Bonnie was so like sophisticated. I thought she was like already a staff member. So she was like, yeah, I have to go to class. I was like, what do you mean class? She was like, oh, you know, I, like, I'm a senior. I was like, what? I thought you were a grown woman. You know, I was just like, <laughs> like she's already a grown woman, of course. But like, I thought she was like, you know, a real adult, you know? Um, so yeah, so, um, but she would always have food and sweets and that was just like always a great, um, great. And then like my third experience with just like food in Chi Alpha was probably with um, Francesca. She graduated same year as Bonnie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember the first time I met her was at one of the first Chi Alpha's open table back in Levy program room, and she was like, "Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the corp." I was like, and I, I, don't know, I was like, "Oh, like the coffee place." She was like, "Yeah. Well, if you go when they're closed, they have free bagels, and like if you go right when they're closed, you can grab all the free stuff, and like you have breakfast for days." I was like, "Yes, yes. Like Chi Alpha people out here feeding us. You know what I'm saying?" So I was like. Great, then she also was one of the first people I led life group with. Um, and we would make dinner for our life group um, like once a semester and she made these bomb flottas, they were so good. Um, so yeah, um, and then my like fourth experience with like food and kaiafa was my life group, the one where um, I actually led one with Victoria. Um, and um, it was just great because like we would always try to have snacks even if we bought them like literally 15 minutes before. And we would always like cook during the semester and um, Victoria, I'd be like, okay, so what do you want to cook? And she'd be like, you know what, I can't cook, but I trust you and I will help you in any way. I was like, girl, that's fine, that is fine, you know? Um, so, but it was just great because we were able to like live, have life together, but I was like, you know, that was always revolved around food. Jasmine was also in that life group too, both Jasmine's, Hey, yes. Okay, <laughs> um, and then I would probably say like my fifth experience is when I think of Chi Alpha and food is with like my best friend Kimberly. If anyone knows Kim, she's always scoping out that free food. Like even when I think of an experience, like an example, we were getting free food on Monday and I had printed off something very important for her and she was so focused on the food, she forgot her document. I said, girl, you're so worried about this food. You forgot the stuff you needed. Um, but just a lot of just our time together and just like the love that we've had has revolved around just like Food and like when I think of like Kyle, I definitely think of food, and you know it's, it's great because we have food tonight. Um, so yeah, but um, beyond that, like two the other two things I said were listening and understanding, and I definitely have grown a lot in my listening and understanding here these past four years in Chi Alpha. Um, one verse that comes to mind is James 1.19, where it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Um, I learned this just coming in. When I came in, I came in through Church of Christ, which is kind of like a, um, I don't know, they had like really strong feelings about salvation. So when I came in, I had strong feelings of just about how like what salvation meant, what faith meant, like what it meant to be in a relationship with God. And I had to like step back and like realize for myself that I had to like listen. Like I had to listen to like just, you know, what people like John were telling me, Bonnie were telling me, just my brothers and sisters were telling me about what salvation means and how, you know, maybe what I've been learning my whole life hadn't like necessarily been the truth and there are other ways. And I had to kind of like put my kind of religious upbringing aside to kind of be able to like open my ears and listen and not, you know, like the verses, be so quick to speak but to hear what they said. Um, and just also understand. Um, I also just, you know, listening came up when um, a dear friend who was in Chi Alpha, um, like she had told us about being sexually assaulted on campus. And I just hadn't, I just never really, I guess like thought about, you know, things like rape culture in general, just like sexual assault in general. And I had to kind of listen and like 
kind of like deconstruct my own thoughts around the issue and just like listen to her and understand like how she felt um, and understand and be there. Um, when a friend, you know, also another person, Kai Alpha, had approached me um, about just like porn addiction, a woman, you know, which is something you don't hear about, you know, I had to kind of like listen and also understand that something that I assembly dealt with, you know, that was like something that I could like found solace in that person. I had understood that like I wasn't alone in that. Um, even just in my life group, listening to like, I'm in life group with Kim and Joanne, and our life group is about justice. And just over the past year, I've just had so much struggle with learning, like, what does it mean to, like, seek justice and be a Christian? Like, what does God say about justice? And a lot of times, I just, I had to, like, stop and listen to what God was saying, even when I felt that, you know, my, my church at home and people, even on campus, like, fellow Christians, may, maybe weren't understanding this type of justice that I had thought about. Um, but just like being in their life and listening and like studying like what justice meant to God and what that means, I was able to kind of listen and understand. Um, and, hold up, sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like over the time, just like being able to listen, like remembering to be slow to speak, but listening, um, that kind of bred into me understanding. Um, and so just like my prayer for this Chi Alpha, is that I just pray that that as y'all go about y'all's time in these next three, four, one years, sorry that it makes sense, three, two, one years, <laughs> three, two, one years that you're here, that there will be just like more listening and understanding because there are so many of us in this room who come from different backgrounds, different cultures, and I just hope that we will be able to be able to listen to like, listen to each other, learn from each other's experiences because that right there listening will be able to bridge like a pathway to like growth, peace, all that stuff, and most of all, understanding. So, thanks. Can y'all hear me? All right, cool, cool. Um, so you guys can start going through the pictures now. Um, all right, so, um, so I want to begin here today uh, just something about something simple that's been talked about often. And so I'm going to focus on my growth here on the hilltop, here at Georgetown. And so since day one, I've been on a mission um, to pursue growth, to, I guess, to become closer to God since day one. And I knew that coming out of high school, I didn't know much about um, the relational aspect of God. I just knew that he was my Lord and Savior. I knew that once um, I surround myself by godly men, I can be more like him in his image, but that was something that I lacked. You know, I didn't surround myself um, with people uh, chasing after him. And so this message, what I'm about to give you guys, it's, it's brief, but it can go span across genders or whatever. So when I say man, I mean, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood, and so hopefully for everyone can use and grow from. And so again, like it's been said widely, I'm a big guy who always says it's about the process process this, process that, and, and so, but for me, and my experiences, I've experienced a lot for myself, you know, and those, I, I like to think that life is basically how you react to what happens to you, and so for me, a lot of has happened to me, but I always accept that as part of the process of what I've done to overcome those things, and so, you gotta go to the next picture. 
And so as you guys continue to see, I'm going to have uh, different groups of friends in my life who've been my rocks, um, who've always held me down, kept me grounded, and, and they've, been, they've been very important to me. And so now we're going to start, about, start talking about friendship. So friendship to me. You can become friends with anyone here today. I mean, friends, that's, that's an easy concept. Everyone knows friends. Uh, on the first picture, you saw a group of friends. Those were my childhood friends from elementary school. Those are my guys. But one thing that I, myself, failed to do is that I didn't, uh, I didn't try to lead them to, to Christ. And that's something I regret, regret it. And so as I moved forward, I met these group of guys when I moved to Texas. And so you guys know Joe, Joel, but uh, Shakir, uh, he's, that's my guy, and, and Josh Benstow in Austin. Two of those guys are going to be in my wedding. So um, those are my guys. And so this is where I began uh, my friendship growing into a fellowship. And so our fellowship, we began to focus on Jesus. And that was the common cause that brought us all together. And for us, that was powerful because not everyone was on the same level. You know, because Austin, you know, he's really big into hip-hop. He would go, just go in about hip-hop, and next thing you know, turn back around and ask us a, a philosophical question about life. I'm like, how does this even connect? You know, and, and, but that's just how we were. So you guys can go to the next picture. And so here... <laughs> So this is my freshman year coming here to Georgetown. And so when I came here to Georgetown, I knew that I needed a community. I needed to surround myself by those who were chasing after Jesus. And, and it was funny because Bonnie got me connected with Chi Alpha, but then we were walking on campus one day and I, I, we, we were hanging out with, I see on the right you have Tyler and Julian, uh, myself, Ayo, and Joel. And so we were just talking one day, and we decided, well, they decided, hey, let's do this life group together. And I was like, I didn't know really what it was. I was like, all right, I'm cool, so uh, let's do it. And so we all just started doing this life group, and, and it was centered on Jesus, and the focus was applying Jesus to our lives. And that was the key, because a lot of us missed the essence of application. We, we learned, we have this knowledge, but application, that's something that we always miss. And I think that's essential. And with that, they introduced what another key component of relationship is, discipleship. These men, Julian and Tyler, they discipled me here on, at Georgetown, and it was amazing. I was exposed to uh, a new perspective, new perspectives, a new way of life, and what it looked like to be amongst men in worship. And it began to introduce me to vulnerability and how to be vulnerable. And so you can guys can switch to the next picture. So here, um, so me, I'm a big, obviously I'm a black guy. You guys can see that, obviously. All right, so um, my culture is, that's something that's always been really important to me. And, and for where I'm from, many people don't have those, the opportunities that I've had. They, they meet, have met the hurdles that I've met, but didn't necessarily overcome. And so for me, G Brothers of Christ has been something that's been essential to my heart in addition to Chi Alpha. And for me, this is the way I can give back to my African-American community. And these men here, um, they helped me grow 
um, from my freshman year to the day, regardless of whether they graduated or not, these are my guys, like my road dogs. Like we go through the thick and thin together, like especially like Scholar. Uh, Joe talks about Scholar all the time, like that's my guy. Like we've been through it like since my freshman year and he's here on the fifth year and you know, so um, you can switch to the last picture. All right, so um, as you guys saw the, the, the context of discipleship, you, you've seen friendship, you've seen fellowship, and you've seen uh, discipleship. And now I want to talk to you about brotherhood and what that has done for me. And so for me on the hilltop, brotherhood has been powerful because, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to meet so many men who are chasing after Jesus, and that allowed me to become uh, what God calls us to be vulnerable one another. And uh, to, be, to become vulnerable for a man, uh, that's a different, according to our society, that's something that's not supposed to be done. I would tell you guys now, don't subscribe to that label. Again, do not subscribe to that label. We as men are called to be vulnerable. We are here to worship one another. We are here to chase Jesus. We are here to not only uh, connect spiritually, but also relationally. I mean, everything in this earth is not necessarily guaranteed. This, our relationships here, there, on a world that will, that's sure to perish, but Jesus still wants us to love on one another, and and bro through brotherhood, sisterhood, or or community, that's key. And the only way we can grow together is 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 through um, community. Very quickly, I'm going to read one of my favorite verses. Well. Yeah, verses. Uh, and so, if all you know, Exodus chapter 17, uh, verses 8 through 13. And so, here is basically uh, the Israelites triumph triumphing over the Amalekites. And so, here it reads the, the Amalekites came and attacked Israelites at the, at the R word. The, these names are ridiculous, y'all. Uh, uh, so. <laughs> so, so Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So when, he, when Moses' hand grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron on one side, one, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. And so here, um, kind of read through that kind of quickly, but basically here what you see, you see Moses, he has the staff of God in his hand. He's raising the staff. He had to raise the staff. You know, some people say it's all day. It was a long time. And so obviously he'll get tired. And so he had two of his friends, um, as we see, we have Aaron and her. A lot of times we, we overlook her, or how do you pronounce it, hair, her, whatever. But again, oftentimes we overlook these two key essential components because I think here God has told us we can't do it alone. And even if we're, uh, we have God with us, he wants us to use, uh, we have others here to do it with us. That's why we, we're called to have communities. We're called to be in discipleship with one another. We're called to be in these brothers and sis sisterhoods with one another. And I, before I leave, I want to leave you on with this note that 
when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the very first thing he did was go and, go and get disciples. And so a, a lot of us would say, okay, he did that to, to um, you know, to go out and begin his mission. But I saw that as, a, a, as him showing us that, okay, he understands that his flesh is hard. It's te- it's, the temptation is stronger when he's alone even with God there. And so he went and got those disciples to, to surround him as he can surround him and, and buy into that community and, so, and, and grow in Christ. And so with that, I would say, Kafa, it's a great community. It's, it's been tremendous in my time here at Georgetown. And I think as you guys move forward, stay in this community, find a community beyond this context, and also uh, pour into it and make sure God is pouring into you. So yeah. So my name is Vidi, um, and I've always been really quiet and shy, and I tend to stick to one corner of the room so that I don't have to speak to anyone. Um, and that was mostly freshman and sophomore year. Um, I came from a place where I grew up with all my friends. I never had to make, I never, I was never forced to make new friends because I knew everyone, and so. Once I got here, I realized that it wasn't the same thing and that I was going to miss my friends. Um, I also came from a background where I had a lot of issues and problems at home. And so I was very insecure. I didn't really trust anyone. It was really hard for me to, to just really engage in a relationship with just with any person, even just another girl or just a friend or even my roommate. Um, I lived with a lot of anxiety. Um, and even though I, I grew up knowing God, I knew who God was, I didn't really trust him either. I was tired of praying and waiting for him to change something in my life and to make me feel that I could be happy. Um, but I, I came to school with all that pain and all that anxiety, like really just deep in me. And one day I just broke down in Joel's room and Joel thought that Kayafa was just the best place ever and that I should come here because it would change me in some way. And honestly, I was really skeptical. I didn't really think that it would make a difference, especially because I, like I said before, I was tired of praying and I was tired of waiting for God to do something. Um, and so the first time I came here, I sat on a random table because Joel refused to sit with me. He sat somewhere else. And he told me to meet five people and that by the end of the night, I had to like tell them what their names were. Because um, <laughs> he knew that I wasn't actually going to make the effort to interact with others. So that, that night, I sat on a table with just a lot of strangers. And one of them was Kristen. And she, she became my life group leader. But I remember that night, she introduced herself to me. And she asked me for my number. And so I thought that was a little too personal. I was just like, what is this? So, oh my God. Um, but I did give it to her. And by the end of the night, I went back home. And I saw that I had gotten a text. And it was from her. And she asked me to go out with her for coffee like on the weekend. And so I was just sitting on my bed thinking about what I was going to do. I could easily just ignore the text and never come back. Because I really didn't know who she was or what she was like. And it was just meeting by myself with one other person that I didn't know was just really intimidating. Um, but I was glad I did that because after that, she invited me to her life group with Jasmine, too. So um, I went 
to most of them. And even though I wanted to think that I wasn't making a difference, and I, I didn't, I didn't want it to make a difference in my life because I was afraid that if I began to trust other people or just to trust God in general, that He would fail again. Or I felt like He would like not. I don't know, just not be there for me and that I was going to just fall back into depression and anxiety all over again. But um, I found myself attending every um, leader's meeting and then in the summer really considering whether or not I wanted to be a leader. Um, it just made me really nervous. But I remember that the last day of XAI, I also, I attended the, X, the last XAI event and I realized that that was probably what I wanted to do. It was a lot more, I don't know, like intimate and there were other people, like I guess like me, they were also quiet, they came from a different background, they were making new friends and they were honestly just going through go, to go through the whole experience with me. And um, I, I chose XAI and um, I realized that it wasn't so much about being a good leader, like being a friend, um, I learned that you have other people around you because they do love you, and even if you just barely met them, they have this goal that they, they want to love you, they want to be there for you. Um, and I really found people who encouraged me and motivated me, and they just became my support system. And even when I felt that I couldn't lead and I didn't know what to do, I always had someone else there for me who always, um, took the role and a lot of times that was James and I really do appreciate that because it it really changed changed my life and the way I looked at just my I guess I was a pessimistic person and I began to see that there is a way out of every negative situation um, I learned that I'm not quiet and shy just because I think that that became an advantage when I joined XAI because a lot of other students were like that too and I think that made them feel comfortable, the fact that I wasn't always talking or that I didn't always have something to say. It made them feel like they could also be quiet and that that was a comfortable place to be in. Um, and I, I learned something about myself too, that I'm a listener and that I am patient because I am quiet. I don't know, I'm just like, I like to listen more than I like to speak. And I, I guess in general, I just learned that I, I needed to take risks and that I needed to be uncomfortable sometimes and that God always answers your prayers. And I think that that's something that I'm never going to forget because I, I went from thinking that God wasn't there for me to thinking that, to knowing that he, he just took a little longer because he knows when the right time to answer your prayer is and um, that I just had to wait and listen, and that he would change my life when he thought that it was right. Um, and that's something about progress, that you, you really can't make any progress without him, and you really can heal without him. Um, and I, I guess we could try, we could try to do that, I try to do that, but I mean, what's the point? It's a lot harder than just leaning on him and, and hoping that he will make a difference. Um, my life group leader also gave me this proverb in a bookmark. It's on three to five, um, three, five to six, and it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. 
in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And even though it seems a lot harder to think that you could just give it all up to him and like wait for him to change it, like it really does work that way. And you can't do it on your own, you can't do it without him, and you can't do it with a, without your friends. And I, I learned that the people around, around you are the people who care the most about you. And when you're here, you don't have your family, you don't have the friends you grew up with. And so you have to turn around and look at the people who, who's always been there for you, like your life group leader, your life group, the other life group members. And I think that, that that's what makes a bigger difference. And I think that it's okay to have doubts, but prayer is the most important part. It's prayer and your friends, like your community is what makes a difference. And it is my community and the people around me that helped me grow into the person I am now. I'm just really happy that I'm a lot more confident and I do trust in God, and even though I do have a lot of struggles and a lot of insecurities, he's always, like, he's always someone I can rely on, and those insecurities are really nothing compared to the work that he's done in my life. God, man or woman, black or white, Asian, Latino, Arab, God, I have struggled with your sexuality and image for quite some time. I find it hard to confine you within the genders of mankind, God, man or woman. Lord, I was raised by my mother, so when I first heard the phrase Father God, it sounded distant and foreign, but when I first heard the phrase Mother God, it was so near and so perfect. God, man or woman, God, I fear that your image resembles that of the oppressor. God, man or woman, black or white, Asian, Latino, Arab, God, what is your image? Whatever your answer may be, I ask that you draw near, reveal, and take me deeper into the image and likeness of Christ. A little spoken word prayer, kind of gonna explain that, it's a little bit deep. Um, but I like to talk about God's image and God's likeness and just kind of have reconciled that here um, during my four years at Georgetown. So Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness. 27 goes on to saying, So God created mankind in his image, in the image of God, God created them. So what I hear here is God's image, image and likeness, image and likeness of God in Christ. And I was able to reconcile this when I went to Jamaica on an alternative spring break trip. And one girl in my group just beautifully said, she's a beautiful human, um, she said that during our experience when we were working in orphanages, just speaking to people and getting to know them and asking them questions, that she felt as if she truly saw the image and likeness of God within every person that she spoke to. And she said that because God is infinite, we cannot confine God within a gender, within an ethnicity, within a race. That, that's impossible because God is infinite. And she said that maybe, that maybe if we, I believe we have a canvas on this side of the room, this kind of, put everybody in this room on that canvas, everybody in the world on that canvas and take a step back. And what we'll see automatically is physical diversity, one. But once you go deeper into that canvas, you'll find diversity with passions, diversity with interests, diversity with talents. And when I thought, when I think of that, when I was thinking of that, I thought of Michelle and her singing. I thought of Ojulabi and her dancing, how I cannot do any of that and just thinking of how God placed his image and likeness within them and gave them that skill and that talent. And that's beautiful. Um, and I just come to think of the diversity that, that, that is not only within the Christian community, but within, a, within the world. And we will rob ourselves of getting to know and getting closer to God's image and likeness if we don't seek that diversity. 
right? Um, here at Georgetown, um, just four amazing friendships that I've been blessed with. I've been blessed with Bonnie. Um, in her, I saw, no one's crying, I'm not gonna cry. I saw generosity. Um, generosity, I feel like when God created Bonnie, he was like, I'm just gonna put a whole bunch of generosity in you right now. She's generous with her time, generous with money, and just she gives so much of herself even when she doesn't have, and I'm just thinking, imagine, how God is with God's generosity. Imagine how much our Father in Heaven will give to us. Second person who's inspired me, and I just see so much of God's justice, which is also part of God's image and likeness, is Crystal Walker, Crystal X. Um, I, I've, struggled, I've struggled so much with God's justice junior year when all these issues in our nation was happening. Um, and the way that I see Crystal pursue justice, not only with people that look like her, sound like her, think like her, with people who have nothing probably to do with any of her life experiences. Crystal will talk your ear out about people who are disabled and she is not disabled. Crystal will talk, Crystal will talk, Crystal will talk to you, talk to you about the world just because she hungers for that justice. Imagine how our Father in Heaven hungers for that justice. And I just look at Crystal and just like, wow, God placed that within her just to kind of reveal to us that's just a shadow of what's to come, right? Third person, which we all know and love, Joel Campella. Um, when I think of Joel, I think of so much of God's grace. Um, I don't know where y'all are with life experiences, but um, if you go up to Joel and you say, hey man, I killed someone, I think Joel will tell you, hey man, let me tell you about God's grace. <laughs> let me tell you about God's grace. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just, just imagine that, just, we're all, we're human, we're sinners, but if we can, <laughs> just reflect that mirror, just the image and likeness of God within those qualities and those values. Imagine how our Father in Heaven is, just extends that grace even when we're so undeserving. Um, the fourth person I think of, I wouldn't be up here if it wasn't for her. <laughs> I feel like I can just talk to y'all like this. Um, second, fourth person is Joanny Lopez. Um, Johnny's persistence um, is something that I feel like God placed in her to just mirror his persistence and how God pursues us in, in everything, even when we don't feel it. Um, I lived with Joanny my freshman to sophomore year, and I would wake up in the morning and I would see Joanny on her knees. I'm like, what is she doing? I'm like, go back to sleep. And she would be praying. At night, before I go to bed, uh, I went to bed, Joanny would be on her knees praying and just pursuing God. Um, um, just pursuing God and just like thinking if, if humans like these are sinners, imagine how our Father in Heaven is generous to us. Imagine how our Father in Heaven seeks justice. Imagine how our Father in Heaven um, is graceful. Imagine how our Father in Heaven just pursues you relentlessly. Just all these things. So I challenge you um, to seek Christ's image, God's image, God's likeness within diversity. Don't be afraid of diversity. Diversity is a beautiful thing. Without diversity, we would have a very, a very limited view of who God is, right? God is infinite. So I challenge you, um, not only with people who are your friends, but people you maybe not, you don't like, you know? Just like, well, I don't like this person right now. And just kind of challenge yourself. Well, God, I know you've placed your image and likeness in this person. Where is it? Reveal that to me. Um, and if you can't do that with other people, then just start with yourself. And just realize that we, um, we're all royalty. We belong to the King of Kings. So the image and likeness of God is definitely within each and every one of us.